Hey guys, I'm Caleb Giddings for Firearms Industry News, and welcome to this Inauguration Day edition of Firearms Industry News, where we are talking about gun control, because gun control is coming, and you all best be ready for it. Back in October, before the election, I put out a video called Biden's Gun Control Plan, where we went through some potential scenarios for what gun control could be coming. October me was a lot more optimistic than January me. Holy cow. In the words of Nick Cage from the great film The Rock, well, gee, kind of a lot's happened since then. I don't really know where to start with this video. I have a script, which I have over here, and I just... Gun control's coming. Get ready. I... There are some measures that are absolutely going to be attacked things that you can bet your bottom dollar you're gonna see in the next few years probably the next two years because there's a midterm election in 2022 so let's just go through this and just you know let's rip that band-aid off guys because here we go so the stuff that is 100 percent going to get introduced. I don't know if it'll pass because there's a lot on the table, but things that you can expect to see uh, this new administration and the new leadership in Congress go after hard. Ghost guns. You're already seeing a crackdown on polymer 80 lowers from the ATF. You're already starting to see some of that happen. So ghost guns and... I, pistol braces, good lord. Ghost guns and pistol braces. You're definitely going to see action on ghost guns and pistol braces probably sooner than later. There's no... They've... That has been indicated by pre-inauguration actions already by the administrators in the ATF and uh, the Biden administration's transition team. So yeah, ghost guns, that's happening for sure. Uh, I mean, it's just, and probably pistol braces too are going to happen in a bad way. So that's just the welcome. Other things that are going to happen that you're going to see get introduced, universal background checks. That was something that Biden wanted when he was vice president under President Obama. So expect to see movement on UBCs and expect to see movement on some sort of national red flag law. I think all of those are very easy, very low barriers for them to overcome. And so probably pretty likely for something like that, for legislation that contains those provisions to get introduced early and fast. Now, the one that worries me the most isn't actually in an assault weapons ban, and we'll talk about an assault weapons ban here in a couple of minutes. But the thing that worries me the most is President Biden has indicated that he would like to overturn or gut the provisions of the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, which was passed in 2005. So what the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act does is it shields firearms manufacturers from civil liability if their product is used illegally. 
the same way that if somebody gets drunk and drives their Ford Taurus into a bus full of nuns and kills all the nuns in the bus, you're not su- Ford isn't legally liable for that because the guy was drunk and operating the vehicle illegally. So the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act provides that same liability shield to firearms manufacturers because if uh, Colt sells an AR-15 to RSR and then RSR sells that to a gun store and then that gun store sells that to a guy, all of those people have obeyed the law and then if that guy snaps, gets drunk and shoots up his wife and, you know, a bus full of nuns, Don't ask me why it's always a bus full of nuns. It's just a bus full of nuns. But if that guy gets drunk and shoots up a bus full of nuns, Colt's not liable for that. Colt wasn't like, yes, take this gun, shoot up nuns. Colt was selling a gun to a distributor. So what the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act does is protects protects Colt from civil liability in that situation. And that's important because history matters, especially in this context. Back in the 90s, that was an entire gun control strategy, was basically just sue gun manufacturers out of existence and use the weight of state governments and use the weight of the court system to just saddle these manufacturers with continuous legislation so that they would essentially go out of business from trying to defend themselves from all of these frivolous lawsuits. Now, what's interesting, what the PLC Protection of Lawful Commerce Arms Act, PLCAA does is it doesn't say you can't sue these people. So there have been lawsuits that have been filed against manufacturers, against retailers, and against distributors, but they've been tossed out because of the act. So that that company still has to defend against this lawsuit, but their defense is, hey man, Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act shields us from liability in this. And then the judge has to agree that they are actually shielded from liability under the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act and then toss the lawsuit out. So just because the act exists does not mean that manufacturers and retailers can't be sued. It provides them protection from those lawsuits But a judge has to decide that it actually applies in that particular lawsuit. So it's not like this bulletproof breacher shield of of lawsuit protection. And predictably, uh, incoming President Biden uh, wants to get rid of it, which sucks because it would open the door for a lot more frivolous lawsuits against the firearms industry. Many Many companies in the firearms industry don't have the kind of lawyers or the kind of money to defend against these things, especially when they're being brought by malicious state agitators like the New York State Attorney General, for example. So that's the one that worries me the most. If we lose the PLCAA, we stand to lose a lot in the firearms industry because all of a sudden, all your favorite retailers, Brownells, Midway USA, Lucky Gunner, are open to to liability from lawsuits in case they, I don't know, they sell a case of ammo to somebody on the internet and then that guy does some crazy crap with it and now the next thing you know, they're getting sued. Which brings me to the other thing that I am really worried about. So my top two things that I'm worried about now we're losing the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. And number two, an online ban, a ban on online sales of ammunition. That one scares me. That one scares me a lot because they did it in California. 
You can't buy ammo on the internet in California and have it shipped to California. That's illegal. And you know who spearheaded that? Vice President Harris. I really worry about a ban on online ammo sales because it would put a lot of people I like out of work. Uh, I would lose a, I would lose clients, as a matter of fact, over that because companies that I work with sell ammo on the internet and they pay me out of the money they make selling that ammo. So I wouldn't. I don't want that to happen just because I don't want my bottom line to get affected, but also it would put so many people out of work that I care about. So many great companies would just immediately close their doors the next day because selling ammo on the internet is a billion is a multi-billion dollar business and the other thing i don't like about that is i don't like restricting access to ammunition the great thing about the internet is that it is if if in the pre-pandemic times if i wanted to get 147 grain match ammo that you know was perfectly made it up for my gun i could go and find it it's out there somewhere you know if i want only to shoot atlanta arms match ammo or if i only want to shoot hornady critical defense i can go buy as much of that as i can afford and that's all i'm going to get restricting access to ammunition by removing the online retail component means that you're restricting individual shooters abilities to get the ammo that they want or need and you're stuck with whatever your gun store or big box store has in stock and that i mean that's not cool man what if i go to my gun store and i like 147 9 mil and all they've got is 115s i don't want those 115s i'm gonna have to re-zero my red dot i'm gonna have to do all this crap so i i really really hate restricting online ammo sales because it's also the first step in restricting all of the other online stuff like restricting online gun sales if you are not a firearms enthusiast and you're watching this it is legal to buy a gun on the internet but it's illegal to have that gun shipped to you so all of these websites that are out there selling guns like gun broker grab a gun etc if i go to grab a gun and i buy a gun on the internet i can't just have that gun shipped to me that's illegal it doesn't work like that it goes to a federal firearms dealer a gun shop where i go there i do my background check then they give me the gun that's legal and it doesn't there's no loophole or anything like that i'm still doing my background check and i'm still making sure that all of the legal federal boxes are ticked off but i worry about the, that getting banned too because again it's a scary thing like people don't understand how online gun sales work people don't understand how online ammo sales work and those are low bars to jump through and if you follow the old clinton administration roadmap which happened before we really had internet sales of all of this stuff what happened, what they did was they restricted the number of what you like to refer to as kitchen table FFLs. They put a lot of federal firearms licensees out of business, which sucked because that was, you know, it was good. You get guns from lots of different people. So what you may see happen is you may see a reduction. Online ammo sales get banned. Online gun sales get banned. Then the ATF is suddenly instructed to crack down on dealers that specialize in online transfers, and all of those guys go away. And the next thing you know, we're back to buying guns like it's 1997, and everything's either in a gun store or in a well, it's everything's in a gun store because big box stores basically don't want to sell guns anymore. So I don't like that. 
And I worry about that. I worry about losing the PLCAA, and I worry about banning online ammunition, online gun sales, and online accessory sales. And I worry because these are laws will be written by people who don't understand how the internet works, because Joe Biden was born in like World War One or something. And they'll be written by people, and they'll be championed by people who are actively malicious towards gun rights, like uh, Vice President Harris. Uh, she's just a bad person, man. Like, just bad. I don't like. Anyway, so moving on, let's talk about assault weapons bans, which is not a great subject, but it involves a lot of moving parts that people don't necessarily understand. There's a lot of weird landscape in what it would require to get an assault weapons ban through. So first, let's look at what the Biden administration has said they want to do. What, they, what they've said they want to do is take all uh, assault weapons, which is, I know, please don't at me, assault weapons, and have them moved to the NFA, the National Firearms Act. So you'd have to register them, you'd have to get tax stamps for them, all of that stuff. They also said they want to do that with high capacity, I know, don't at me, magazines, anyway. To do that, that would require that the language of the National Firearms Act be amended and changed, which requires an act of Congress, right? So it would be Congress passing an, uh, a new law, an addendum to the current NFA that would redefine uh, semi-automatic modern sporting rifles as NFA items. So you got to add that language to it. To do that, you got to get a simple majority in the House and a simple majority in the Senate, at least on paper. That's what you have to get. The House is no problem. They have enough seats in the House to get the vote through the House of Representatives. When it lands in the Senate, you have a problem because the Senate has the filibuster rule where essentially, I don't want to get into uh, parliamentary procedures here too much, but basically, if you have like a hotly contested bill, it can be filibustered and then you need to get 60 senators to vote to end the debate on the bill before it can actually get moved to a full Senate vote. Now, the Democrats could remove the filibuster, although there are current Democrats sitting who have said they wouldn't vote in favor of removing the filibuster. And I would like to think that they are smart enough to understand that the wheels of power are very, are ever turning. And you don't want to like remove a roadblock that you may need in the future. To me, that's very short-sighted. Are they that short-sighted? I don't know. We're gonna find out. And I don't really like that. So, but again, to get right now as the Senate stands, you would still need to get 60 senators to vote to end the filibuster on a hotly contested bill. And they don't have that majority for gun control in the Senate right now. Whether or not they decide to nuke the filibuster, well, we may do a part whatever, a part three of this video in a couple of months if that happens. Who knows? What an exciting time to be alive. There are other strategic problems with an assault weapons ban as well. One, they, and I mentioned this in my previous video, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is, I don't want to say a safe pro-gun court because I don't trust the Supreme Court. I never have. I never will. But an assault weapons ban does stand a chance of getting nuked in the Supreme Court. And what anti-gun advocates don't want to have 
is a nationwide court precedent that said assault weapons bans are unconstitutional because then New York's bans go, go, goes away, California's AWB goes away, and you start seeing these things fall like dominoes. So I don't think they necessarily want that precedent. So that assumes that somebody over there is playing the long game and thinking strategically about all of this. Again, I don't know if they are or if that's the case. The other thing that does somewhat hamper an AWB is getting a straight majority in the Senate because there are a couple of Democrat senators from conservative states like West Virginia and Montana who would probably lose their seats if they voted for an assault weapons ban. And that's, I guess if there's one thing that I trust, it's that politicians want to stay in power. And my hope, is that there are leaders in the Democratic Party who are smart enough and have a long enough memory to remember what happened after the last time they passed an assault weapons ban back in the 90s. They got blown the F out in the midterm election. They lost a gazillion seats, flipped control of the House. That eventually led to President Clinton's impeachment. So I don't... It was a huge, huge disaster for the Democratic Party, uh, the assault weapons ban, a massive disaster. And there's a really interesting article that you can find in The Atlantic about it. So my hope is that somebody in the Democratic strategy tank is playing the long game and is thinking, I don't want to get nuked out of all of our seats and lose power. Let's just pass all of this other progressive stuff that doesn't get people all riled up. And, you know, eventually, but this is back to me now, I'm not that guy. And eventually we'll basically be like Sweden, but with guns and NASCAR. So, you know, that's, I guess, kind of where we're headed. I mean, if you like Sweden, that's okay. My The point in all of this is there is gun control coming. Watch for universal background checks, expansion of red flag laws, polymer 80 lowers, and pistol braces. All of those are going to be subject to attacks. The Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act is especially vulnerable, and I worry a lot about losing that because of the second-order effects it would have on the gun industry. I worry about a ban on online ammunition sales and accessories and firearm sales because I don't like reducing people's access to the sport or to their Second Amendment rights. And I don't worry, I probably don't worry as much about an assault weapons ban as I should, but right now, I don't think that's going to be a legislative priority. I hope I'm right. The next couple of years are going to be interesting.